The Beast Dependency Podcast is brought to you by Total Radness. Shop your goofy food controller TWO merch and CTWC approved hardware on TotalRadNES.com. Welcome to the Peace Dependency Podcast. I'm your host, Frank, also known as Sir Mason. The Classic Tetris World Championship is right around the corner. So this is a great time to once again invite CTWC organizer Vince Clemente to talk about the tournament. We went through a brief history of CTWC, highlighting various points of the already 12-year-old tournament. Vince also became active in the competitive community last year, so we did talk about that too. Last but not least, we talked about CTWC 2021, which will be held online once again. This is our conversation. Vince, welcome back to the Peace Dependency Podcast and thank you once again for joining me on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Frank. Excited to be here. Excited to... uh talk tetris you know it's uh one of my favorite things to talk about <laughs> did you know that we talked almost exactly a year ago for episode two along with uh, adam cornelius oh wow so i guess uh happy birthday is in order <laughs> <laughs> yeah july 24th 2020 was uh was the day we uh we had the uh, conversation uh, last year oh wow yeah and that's when you originally were tr trying to schedule this for I just realized it because I was thinking last year, oh, it should be around the same time. But this year, it's just, it suits me better to do it on a Saturday because I have, then I had on this Saturday, I would have your interview, which we now have on July 23rd. And then on July 25th, I will be in charge of the CTWC Mexico uh, qualifier, which I will be restreaming and commentate uh, for. That's right. I'm excited to uh, see how that goes. I mean, when you air this, it'll be in the past. So congrats. It will be in the past. To the winner. Yeah, but, the, <laughs> <laughs> but the the Mexico qualifier starts a seven-week run on the Classic Tetris channel, where pretty much every weekend there is a either a national, regional, or community qualifier for CTWC 2021. Correct, yeah. It's uh, the, the road to CTWC, as we, we're calling it, you know. Is that different than last year? Uh, no, not, not entirely. I mean, last year, uh, you know, I organized, uh, with the help of Chris Forrest and, uh, others, you know, we had, we had about seven or eight and I reached out, you know, personally to, to all the, the bigger, uh, online tournaments to see, you know, who was interested and, you know, it was a re yeah. resounding yes from everyone. So it's, uh, so this year is just bigger and better and, uh, you know, more, uh, communities are popping up. And so it's exciting to see all these, uh, different tournaments happening in different areas and you know, who's going to get the free spot to represent, you know, their nation, you know, their, their community. Is it fun to see all those regional 
communities and see what they are up to and see who is in them? Oh, absolutely. And then it's, uh, you know, Kingsman, I think, is in all of them. So, uh... <laughs> nah, nah, Kingsman isn't in the Benelux. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, King, so, uh... King Free uh, stream then. Over there, it's uh, uh maybe not in chat, but uh, it definitely is. he isn't in the Discord server for the Benelux, and he isn't uh, won't be a part for the uh, for the broadcast for the Benelux qualifier in the later uh, August. I know. I think it's just great to see you know all the communities you know getting together and putting on their own show and um, you know scheduling with the other communities, so not there's not much overlap between different tournaments and stuff like that. It's going to be yeah. exciting to just have like this full season of CTWC again, which is going to be nuts this year. Is it what, what we missed last year? Because in, in normal times, we started in January or February with the first real life uh, CTWC qualifier, I think somewhere in the West Coast. And then as the year progressed, you have more and more qualifiers, both in the US and internationally. And then it all ends up in importance with the with the world championship is that always the goal to have and this year is finally the year to have that road to ctwc back oh yeah i mean the, last year it was you know the world was ending and you know we're still kind of in that spiral i guess but uh good to to you know we're building it up we started earlier this year we could have started even earlier uh when we first you know decided to hold it all online again um yeah but yeah, so yeah, in 2019, there was uh, set up before the pandemic hit, there was like six or seven already set up in, you know, February that year that I set up uh, that were, you know, in real life competitions. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of, a you know, all those started, you know, fall off, get canceled one after the other. And then it was just like, oh, this is what's going to happen. We're going online. So I'm hoping, you know, that, you know, there's some in real life uh competition starting again so i'm excited to see that continue to grow uh back you know a lot of we had south carolina a couple of days ago uh mm -hmm. ohio will be a big tetris event with with modern tetris and and a classic tetris and uh blank is is hosting a qualifier from its garage right yeah no it's uh <laughs> i love to see it um you know there's a lot of a lot of players over there in New York, so it's good to see that they're all like connecting and uh, putting on competitions. This will, and then they had the other New York meetup that was just uh, just a hangout kind of thing. So that was, that was yeah. fun to see and watch and uh, see people meeting for the first time. I mean, a lot of these players joined, you know, right around the time the the pandemic started. So you know, or or during it, you know. So that's the first time yeah. a lot of them are meeting. You know, turning like an internet face or voice or mysterious no one into uh, an actual human being. So. Message the name of Chris Forrest. He, he does a lot of work for CTWC. What is exactly what he does? Uh, he does, you know, he helps me with a lot of the uh, uh, world organization, you know, interacting with uh, the other communities, bringing them together. You know, the goal is to get everyone like on the same page. So yeah, he's definitely uh, one of, you know, the heroes of CTWC and Last year, he stepped up and, uh, you know, made a bunch of the spreadsheets and, you know, just you know, put put a little, you know, finishing gloss on the uh, the final product. So, yeah, he's definitely a key member of the, the global scene and, you know, you know, the main CTWC tournament. So. Yeah. 
and the different names uh, like Adam Cornelius and Trey Harrison, they they aren't really involved within the community side, but they still are members of the CTWC organizing team. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. Adam and Trey and me are the you know the three long bars, and yeah, the focus of the of all that is the you know the main event, and then you know I'm working hard to build you know like this global scene you know with you know with chris with steve deluca with chris bidwell you know everyone named chris yeah. basically in the scene is yeah part of the team <laughs> maybe you should change your name to chris yeah and steve should change the name to chris too the, yeah the chris tetris world chris's yeah yeah there's always, there's <laughs> always a r- running joke to have the classic tetris chris world championship no let's do it yeah everyone named chris uh as a side tournament in uh, in Portland uh, when we uh, when we come back. Yeah, maybe we'll do that for the uh, you know like the kickoff party we did last year. Oh, that would be amazing! Just, uh, just a big Chris bracket. Chris Tang is going to win. <laughs> pretty obvious. But yeah, no, I've been uh, working hard since uh, I think in 2015 was the first uh, qualifying event that was in real life. That was uh, you know that I set up with my friend Christian uh, Dietering, who runs the uh, the let's go, let's play gaming expo in in Texas, and that was kind of the start of all these you know year round kind of thing, year round qualifiers, year round meetups, and we did that. You know, the winner got you know its airfare paid for and hotel paid for to go to Portland to represent that yeah. that expo, which I thought was always cool. Um, it's more of like a you know kind of like a regular sport where you see different things leading different events leading up to a main event. Yeah, we're like this person, yeah. you know, like skateboarding or whatever. You know, you win this event, and you get invited to the the championship event, and then that was your your way in. So that might be future way of doing things. I don't know. I mean, as the scene grows, it's uh, growing at you know yeah. an exponential rate. Wait, said last episode that uh, qualifying day in Portland is a uh, tough day. Oh yeah, it's a tough day, um, and definitely you know since since 2019. I mean that year it was. I think you had to wait 30 minutes plus to to try one time, you know, and then go back to the the line. So the qualifying period, I think, was like maybe five hours long. And if you didn't get one of those rental stations, you were, you know, only going to play 10 games at the most. So, yeah, it's definitely a a pressure filled day and people around you and you're playing in an environment you're not used to, you know, on TV you've never seen, you know, so it's just a. Takes you out of your comfort range for sure. Yeah, for sure. Hey, what was it like to organize the the earliest uh, CTWC qualifier in uh, in Dallas? Or was it Dallas in Texas? <laughs> it was in uh, I think Plano, Texas. That he's moved, Christian has moved his expo a couple times, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, it was setting up a new thing. Um, I forget the rules, but I think it was just the highest score of the weekend or a day was the winner. And there might've been one final match between the top two people. Yeah. Um, I think I forget who won. Uh, was it could have been Chad, Chad won maybe Chad Muse. He like drove down from Illinois and won. It was like him versus Jake Stein and Kristen Stein. And, and I think, uh, Joey Parker may have been there. And how did you try to expand to all those CTWC qualifiers? Well, it's just a matter of uh, 
like uh, connections kind of on people reaching out. So the reason uh, the Christian uh, Deetering Expo, the Let's Play Gaming Expo existed is because I knew him through uh, the online collecting scene. So I'm a, a video game collector. Just I strictly collect NES games and I have, you know, a full set of every game in box with its manual. Do you also play those games? It's only just collecting, and if you, or is it just like action figures? If you take it out of the box, it loses that value. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's kind of like that. I mean, you should, you know, those games are selling for crazy amounts now. Uh, but yeah, I, st yeah. I started collecting in high school, and it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't, I, I just wanted to play every game. Was the idea? So I would just get the just the cartridges, right, just to play each game. Um, and then just have them. Oh, wow. So I had like, you know, 400 when I was in high school. And then for a couple of years, I quit. And then, you know, when I was like 23, I got, I was working a full-time job and I was bored. So I was just, you know, floating around the internet and started, <laughs> started buying. I was like, oh, I remember that was a lot of fun. So I was just started to buy games and got hooked into this, uh, this forum online that uh, just met a lot of other people that were like this. And this was like kind of in the days of, it was like a wild west kind of days when like no one knew the rarity of certain games or you know prototypes and things like that were coming out of the woodwork of games that you know didn't exist you know like earthbound or something like that for the nes yeah so a lot of these guys you know went on to start creating their own retro gaming expos like christian um you know started as a collector and did that and you know me and him were friends on the on the forum and he was like hey let me have one in my uh at my expo, do you want to have a qualifier? It was kind of, you know, it was an idea he had and, and him and I uh, worked on together. And then, you know, the next year there was a couple other ones that wanted to do. And I reached out to different people that I knew that were now running expos or in areas that, you know, were around the United States to try and create some kind yeah. of, uh, you know, worldwide wrestling federation type feel to it. You know, are there already plans for a real life? CTWC qualifies for next year so that that we can go back to the west coast that we can go back to the desert that we go can go back to vancouver or or germany or whatever well right now i just don't know who's you know not you know some of these these tournaments aren't gonna or these uh expos aren't existing anymore like the, the pittsburgh uh one uh replay fx uh they went under or decided to close shop and aren't doing their expos anymore but uh i got i got hit up by another uh expo in pittsburgh already that wants to host the pittsburgh one so people are excited to to have us there and you know we bring a crowd and it's just big getting bigger and bigger each year so it's just a matter of which expos are still around or if there's new ones popping up connecting with them somehow is tetris getting a made attraction status on those expos that they want them i think so i mean i think the tetris tournament is itself is as valuable as say getting some guy, a random guy from Mortal Kombat to walk around, you know, where they pay those guys to come to the expo. So that's kind of yeah. how I, you know, pitch it to these expos is that they're going to sell more tickets because people are excited to be in that area. You know, I think more so than, you know, meeting, you know, Jax from Mortal Kombat or something like that or, you know. I mean, there are probably a lot of cosplayers there who, who dress as a, uh, character from roller combat or as a character from the legend of zelda and you can take a picture with them for free and you basically have the same experience right yeah totally there was uh i went with my wife to a uh a comic-con convention 
five years ago, and it was in Amsterdam. And there was a Dutch Jack Sparrow. <laughs> they paid him to come to the expo, walk around, and you had to pay additional money to get a, uh, a professional photograph with him. Oh, really? And he was just a, a fake Jack Sparrow? <laughs> he was a fake Jack Sparrow, <laughs> but but that is that was his job. He goes... He goes around different conventions, different comic cons, dressed as Jack Sparrow to make money that way. I mean, I guess it's like it's like all those Elvis impersonators <laughs> in 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 Vegas. Yeah, that's that's absurd. I mean, I don't know who who would you be if you could go around and be one character. <laughs> oh man, I that convention I went as Bob Ross. There you go, <laughs> man. I can't grow an afro. Uh, uh, I think I will go for Link okay. from The Legend of Zelda, Francis. I, I, man, I'm so big on The Legend of Zelda, and I, I love that franchise. And it's, it's, yeah. My wife gave me for my birthday a uh, commission where I was drawn as New Link with the Link from the from the Wind Waker. Oh, cool! And you, which which character would you go as cosplay? Um... I don't know, the first name that came in my head is not even a video game character, but I was like, I'll go as Kurt Rambis. Do you know? Do you know who Kurt Rambis is? I don't know. No, he's just an old L.A. Laker player, you know, who just had this headband and you know wore glasses and just you know just was you know a sweetheart. And he later went went on to coach. Vince, I find it I find it funny that uh, for for someone who stood pretty much at the beginning of classic Tetris on Twitch. Mm -hmm just basically started full-time not not full-time but more, you'll be more active on your own personal twitch channel but it's only this year that you started that i wanted to get more involved with uh, streaming online and competing online and so i started around i think it was november or something after last year's ctwc and just you know entering into ctm and and playing more Tetris because I really want to get the max out finally. So I got close on uh, New Year's Eve last year. I got a 985K and it wasn't it wasn't streaming that one. I was just oh, sitting around and that's, you know, my my PB right now. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just gonna every time I want to play Tetris, I'm going to stream now because I want it you know, recorded when it does happen. Yeah. Uh, been doing that and it's been a lot of fun because i like it you know i you know, people come in talk to me uh you know all the, the young players stop in say hi and you know it's created a you know a little community where you know i have a lot of close friends that now come uh, or have made close friends uh that you know are in this twitch community together and it's it's a ton of fun we all hang out and then i go you know to their channels say hi and you know i like watching everyone else uh you know play as well so Interacting with the community and getting to know people is uh, it's exciting to me. And I think it's a key part to get involved in the community. No, I've been enjoying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in CTM. I'm in CTL now. Um, I play on the Kings Friendlies channel here and there. You know, I want I want to beat D'Lo real bad. You know, he's one of my, <laughs> my arch nemesis. But uh, it's, it's, it's good for me because I like... I always wanted to play in the tournaments and I would, you know, starting in 2012, I would qualify, but I never felt like I should win a match. Right. Uh, so now I got, yeah. I kind of, 
I, I want to win. I can win. I wouldn't feel bad, you know, if I if I did win a match. So, like that. Why, why was it that, that you f would feel bad if you would win a match back in the day? Um, just people would travel to go to CTWC, and I was one. Of, you know, I was organizing it, um, and I, I just didn't feel right to say like I didn't know. I didn't think I was ever going to beat or win the whole tournament, but maybe I'd win a round or something like that. So I just yeah. Uh, like it was just you know people I was playing as I think like I played Ben Mullen in 2013 and I was like I can't beat Ben Mullen you know <laughs> I like watching him play I'm a fan of his you know I want to see him do yeah. well uh, so my my uh, play style was try hard as hard as I could in the first game and if I won that game then I would you know try and probably tank tank the rest of it but uh <laughs> but yeah Ben won the first game and I you know. And they won the second game. Uh, and that was fair. And I, you know, tried. And, you know, playing in a tournament is a lot different than, you know, playing at home. Uh, the one year I did want to win was I played Chad Muse. I think it was 15. And I beat him the first game. And I almost beat him the second game. He had, like, some crazy survival game once he got to transition. Yeah. And he needed certain pieces to kind of get out of it. And he got him and, and he beat me. And then I lost the uh, the decider. But I, I was okay beating him because he got he won one of the qualifiers and got a free trip. So I was like, all right, I won't feel bad if I beat him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I think another match. I don't know if you won, but was in uh, was in Denmark at Copenhagen when uh, when you faced off against Adam Cornelius. Oh yeah, that was ridiculous. It was uh... so I fly over to me and Adam and and Terry all went to the first or I think it was the second CTEC. But it was the you know yeah. the, first, the first time that they were you know building up to be a bigger show and work you know Christopher Daniels one of those amazing guys uh, that has you know the heart and the soul to to, to and the passion to to put on these tournaments so yeah uh, it's pretty funny going all the way over there and, and then having to play Adam in Denmark <laughs> like we had to fly all the way over to Denmark to play a match which we hadn't played before but I think that was a that was a top four thing it was. It was uh, the top eight made it into the bracket, and I think I had a round before I played Adam that I beat somebody. I forget who it was, uh, but then it was it was also on a, on a version that you pretty much never played, right? I never had played Pal before. I, I might have had the ROM or something like that, so I could I I think I did practice a little bit before I went, and you know it's kind of like eighteen, and then you're you die at 19 pretty much, you know, uh, unless, you know, you're Yanni or a hyper tapper. Um, yeah. But so I was like, I actually have a chance here. because that back then my, my 19 was terrible. So I was just like, this is perfect for me because no one can outlast me on 19. And I actually have, I actually have a chance to like, you know, put up a five, 600, which was my goal. Um, I think well, pretty much nowadays, everyone the top players on Paul can play on nineteen. Right, true, yeah. So yeah, that that my my window for winning a PAL tournament is over. <laughs> it depends which uh, which tier you can you can win the classic Turpus Paul tier two and the tier threes. Right. I think you get you have you kind of have an advantage as an NTSC player playing PAL. Why? Well, the pieces move faster in PAL, so if you stack the same way as you would in NTSC, and you you know 
you don't have the leeway to go higher. Like you do, you can go a little higher in PAL and the pieces still move left to right. So you, you know, a lot of those quick taps that you might rely on in NTSC when you play yeah. high, you'll, you'll just get with the regular DAS. So if you just play your NTSC, NTSC style, I think you'll have uh, an advantage in PAL um, because you can play a little higher. I could be totally wrong. You know, it goes, it falls faster too. So it might be, I might be totally wrong. So. <laughs> You joined CTL this season. How do you experience that? I'm I'm loving it. I like. I mean, it's nice to be able to play people in your same uh, at your same level. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I've always had like tournament nerves. You know, you play differently when you're playing in a match rather than playing at home. You know, you play safer, or you know, you forget how to play at moments. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've been really enjoying getting. Uh, getting better at, at match play and more consistent at, you know, just my game in general. I mean, I've been playing more than I've ever played really, uh, like weekly, you know? Yeah. Was that one of the reasons why you wanted to join CTL to get those matches under your belt? That, and yeah, just be a part of uh, the different communities that are going around. You're the one who beat Hazuli. I the did. The only one who beat it. I did. Yeah. Yeah. We, we swapped or, uh, we traded matches uh, yeah huzuli's good and uh, yeah he's in first place now and... yeah pretty much uh, has a 99 percent chance of uh, winning the division yeah i got my two final matches i'm playing uh, uh grand designs which uh you know i know him he's uh, a big he's been a big long time facebook uh commentator on the you know facebook page and that and just a you know pillar of the community so i'm excited yeah. to play him and i'm excited i have to play skip logic who you know, he's been around, he's been, and I guess he's played every CTL season besides one. And I chat with him, you know, on Twitch here and there. Uh, so I'm excited to play a, a friend, you know. Skip as the, uh, I think Skip Logic is the one who pretty much, if he plays, he ends up in a playoff match. That's what he told me. He's like, I've always been in yeah. every playoff. Uh, yeah, and there was, a, there was a chance that that streak died last year, but somehow Skip got into a playoff match i yeah he's he's got his work cut out for him i think he's uh i think he's in at the bottom right now or near the bottom uh and yeah he's last i guess uh, i'll i'll let him win so that he can make the playoff if you play in ctl you get restreamed by a lot of different restreamers do you have a favorite type of restreamer or does it does it really not matter it's fun to have the random restreamer, you know, that I don't know. Because when I first started doing it, I had no idea, you know, how to do all this or get the restreamer. Or people had preferred ones. And a lot of time, the other people would figure it out. And then, you know, then uh, Grant, I was talking with Grand Designs and he was doing my restreams for some of my CTM matches. And then uh, my friend Burrito Dad, who I met through streaming now, he's starting to do, uh, he started this last month doing restreams for CTM and CTL. So, yeah, I've been the last bunch of matches I've been using Burrito Dad. He's been my hero uh, where I just hit him up, you know, on, on Discord. It's easy rather than like posting the restreaming area and tag all the restreamers and cross your fingers to see if someone picks you. It's, you know, it's nice to just have someone that's, you know, ready to go and knows what they're doing and which, which they all do. So, uh, but yeah, Arbaro too. He's uh, he's been restreaming me couple times now uh, but yeah i like anyone i like to see the different commentator styles 
aren't you secretly scouting people to to see who can potentially give commentary to CTWC matches? Oh yeah, there's a there's a CTWC secret society that I'm you know slowly <laughs> inviting members to join. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, it's uh, if not in CTWC, I mean, there's all these different qualifying events that happen. So people in that area, you know, are you know. You know, Brio Dad lives in Montana. If there's a Montana qualifier, you know, I would assume he would be there and want to help out. So, one of the CTWC commentators from pretty much day one is, uh, oh man, I forgot his name. That's so embarrassing. Chris Tang. There we go. <laughs> yeah, Chris Tang. Yeah. How did you get Chris Tang to get give commentary on Classic Tetris? It was all through Robin. You know, Robin was in the NWC, Chris Tang was in the NWC. So, uh, Chris Tang was part of the you know ecstasy of order and you know commentator on you know the first CTWC he kind of did like the the color whereas you know I I was friends with Pat the NES punk back then and he he was like the main commentator running around on stage and yeah and that was the duo that year um, for the first year for the first year yeah Chris Tang just has the, you know the Tetris knowledge and you know over the years he's gotten better and better each time and you know he's the most you know he's the highest pedigree for a you know ctwc commentator uh maybe not anymore i mean uh, you know vandy and king are daily streaming matches and commentating so but you know chris tang you know he's he's the hero he's a boom you know touches for chris tang. Yeah. yeah it's it, it wouldn't be a ctwc if chris tang wasn't uh, announcing of giving commentary to the matches i agree i agree i agree um He's the best. And then you decided to pair him up with James Chen. How did James Chen get involved in uh, Classic Tetris? James Chen was involved because uh, I believe it was Trey reached out to James Chen, and uh, we did. We were looking for uh, somebody to to do uh, a match that we did on uh, the Games Done Quick channel, and you know, just we put a call out to get more commentators, and then you know, some people submitted. Uh, some some call or some fake commentating yeah. see if they would you know you know whatever an audition type thing and you know we took james chen uh just i forget how trey contacted him that that would be trey brought him in and he's been here since so. but he's coming from the fighting world how did he how did he transition it to the tetris world he's a tetris player that's the thing he's always uh he says he loves Tetris, so he loves fighting games and he loves Tetris. So the dynamic between them it's it's pretty unique. Uh, James is more like play by play. Uh, Chris is more like a color commentator. Right. Yeah. 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 Chris has uh, Chris Tang has the you know the Tetris knowledge, whereas yeah James has you know the funny little quips you know and and also you know Chris Tang you know a video game music will be playing a video game song will be playing and I'll just be like this is from Castlevania blah 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 you know and it's just. He just knows everything about video game history and, and you know about the history of CTWC. So he he has that that recall power that you know you can give commentators all this data and info and they can sift through it and remember things. And wow, uh, but it's like he a, just has it. He walking, yeah. And the same with Art is really good. Art somehow you know he did his research and he he's a he's a professional. So how did you find out that Chris had a uh, funny controller to play Tetris uh, with? Well, I told him last year that he was going to be playing uh, Steve DeLuca uh, in that match, and Steve was going to be playing with his uh, shredder, you know? And, yeah. And then 
Chris was immediately like, oh, I have this, this, uh, this like little kids controller. I'm going to mod it and I'm going to do it. And he like did it in a couple of days. Um, I mean, that's what Chris, Chris does. He, he just mods things and, you know, he knows how to do that. Like he made a handheld NES, uh, system that's, you know, it uses a top loader, but it's, uh, portable where it has like a screen attached to it. And, you know, it, you can plug everything in. Oh, wow. So, and he's, he's. I think he makes them and sells them to a couple of people, but they're expensive. I mean, those top loaders are what, you know, $200 now or whatever they are. I can't imagine. <laughs> Do you have one of those? I, I, I did have one. Uh, you know, I used to collect and resell any Nintendo games. So I had a bunch throughout the years, but I have one that I gave my brother and he still has it. So. But oh, wow. I like the traditional toaster, you know, I don't, I don't need the up, <laughs> upgraded top loader without, AV, you know, they do the AV mods on those, but they're all oh. RF, you know. Oh yeah. What is um, what is in your opinion the best CTWC? The best one, I mean, eighteen and nineteen. You know, when it was really coming together, eighteen is the real switch between the growth of the tournament. You know, that one really spawned what is currently happening with Joseph winning. So I might go eighteen. I heard that some people said that 18 was the best tournament, both uh, 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 playing-wise, but also production-wise. 18 was good. And then, yeah, we switched over to the room in 19, which was good for production because then, you know, we don't have, you know, the announcements going on and all that. And, you know, there's no music playing that's copyright stuff. So um, it makes more sense to do it that way. And, but in the expo, there is definitely like an 18. It was like in the main floor of the expo. Uh, so there's definitely a different vibe where the crowd is allowed to get bigger because there's, you know, an expansive amount and you could see from far away what's going on and hear what's going on. Yeah. So definitely, I don't know what's going to happen in 2022 when it's in, in person again. There's going to be tons of people. Oh, uh, it will be, it will be organized chaos. <laughs> well, I mean, it's always chaos uh but you know you make it work and just stay calm you know do you already have talks with the portland redwood gaming expo about 2022 uh i haven't talked to them because i'm worried about this year currently but uh if you know we have to definitely find out if they're even going to have an expo i mean it's been the home of ctwc you know for since 2012 and it'd be cool to keep it but we might you know we were talking in 2000 20 about having it in a bigger space there in their ballroom, as they called it, which was yeah. uh, double or triple what we had in, in 19. So there was plans to accommodate the bigger crowds. Yeah, because I saw in Scout's video, Game Scout's video, uh, CTWC 2019 Part 2, <laughs> that the uh, waiting line was uh, getting out of hand. <laughs> it was getting out of hand. And, you know, people just want to participate. So Is there a realistic chance that you can go to the ballroom? Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it, and it was uh, definitely a possibility. Uh, but then everything shut down, so the conversation just, you know, went, all, went, went with it. <laughs> what is your current role within CTWC? I mean, I've been, you know, the organizer since the beginning. Um, I do, you know, the majority, if not all, the, the graphics for everything. I do all of the sponsorship research or, uh, you know, 
sponsorship stuff, like the, uh, you know, reaching out to new sponsors, you know, talking to old sponsors, you know, maintaining the relationship with them to make it happen. Um, you know, I, inter you know, I interact with the community, um, and get involved and, you know, you know, just talk to people, hear what they have to say. And, you know, like last year there was, uh, you know, a debate about the bracket, like how the double elimination was going to work. And, you know, there was Chris Bidwell talking to me and, and Moodus was talking to me and, you know, ended up, you know, Moodus was the champ. So uh, we went with that way, which is the correct way. So yeah, listening to the community, I would say, um, yeah, just organizing the event, you know, usually the qualifying situation and, and the day of the tournament falls in my lap with, you know, then there's like, you know, Steve DeLuca and Chris Bidwell and and um, Christine Christina Hogg, uh, who like help out and Hillary and they all help out with the qualifying, which is a major part of the tournament. That's like the the chaos part of it, you know. Once everyone's you know the the, the sixty four or forty eight whatever get decided, yeah, uh, is a little more calm. I think you know there's not people waiting around stressing out. You know, everyone's like, oh, I'm in, I'm in or I'm out. I'm going to have fun. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it's also just like uh, kind of uh, so like in 16, I think it was, or set, uh, no, it was, uh, it was 18. So in 18, I realized that there was a lot more players coming and, uh, you know, I would feel bad if say a player that came, that was really good, that put up a good score, couldn't make it. So, you know, expanding the bracket to, from 32 to 40 was something that I, I pushed for. And then I wanted more of obviously, but uh, yeah. And then was, we were able to do, 48 in 2019 which was good and you know have more best three out of five matches which is you know adam's more on like the side of the three of five matches i'm more on the side of people are traveling and more people should be able to play a match at least you know so it, yeah. it's a weird balance between so in 19 it was uh we both won so there was three out of five from the top eight on and 48 players so Come next year, we we go to sixty four now. That's gonna be it's gonna be tight to uh, pull that off. More stations, maybe more things going on at the same time. Which if CTWC returns to real life, it will stay at sixty four. Uh, that would be the goal. Um, uh, you know, forty eight was tight in uh, two thousand nineteen. So yeah, and now game matches last longer than they used to. You know, players are maxing out rather than you know, topping out. Yeah. Losing at six hundred, you know, whatever. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Is qualifying day a essential part of the experience of CTWC, or or is it something that could be skipped and and have only automatic entries and see them based on their uh, uh, score at their regional qualifier? Yeah, that's uh, something, you know, I've thought about is, you know, maybe these regional events, your scores count towards the qualifying, right? Or if you, you have to win, say you have to win a tournament in order to be, even be invited to CTWC. Uh, I, I don't really like that. To me, there's parts of it I like. Maybe it would cut down on lines or something for a real-life qualifier. But I do like the idea of people coming and qualifying and then you get to meet the other players in line. Like I've stood in line and played, you know, a game or two when I'm not uh, busy at the CTWC. I'll like wait in line and and play a game. And it's fun to just talk with the people in, in line with you. So when you have the 10 minute conversation with someone from a different area of the world, you become friends with them. And it's it's community that is created that way. Where it's like a lot of these people come 
or have always come to just hang out with each other. It's like they knew Jonas was going to win or whatever, but it was just, you know, we'll come hang out. And that's part of the yeah. joy of it. It's like, you know, the vacation of the year for, you know, certain people. I don't know. Uh, but it's something excited that they go see. Oh, I'm going to go see my Tetris friends for you know, this weekend. And we're just going to hang out and have a good time. And I'm going to come in 18th place, you know. <laughs> Total Radness! Yo, this is Steve DeLuca of Total Radness, home of the Tetris World Tetris Order. World Order. Bringing order to a chaotic world. Ready to get rolling on the right side? Dominate the D-pad with a goofy foot controller. Visit TotalRadNES.com to score a controller modded by the inventor, me. We've also got TWO gear, CTWC approved hardware, and a ton of additional retrospective madness. Tune in to twitch.tv slash totalradness to watch Quaid and I take the BLV to 11. Also, don't miss the other homies at Aaron Jawsamoki for the Boom Tetris house parties with the Kitchen Dwellers. And at Classic Vomps for those classic Tetris snugs. Be the best and keep it TWO for, for, for life. We will return to the conversation with Vince in a minute. But first, if you like the Peace Dependency Podcast, help us grow. Please share the podcast with every classic Tetris fan. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Peace Dependency. You can like our Facebook page, Peace Dependency Podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We will have all the podcasts available at full length. Also, you can listen to the Peace Dependency Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Join the Tetris Friendly's Discord server. Besides the fact that it's the place to discuss anything PDP, you can also participate in some lovely friendlies or put your ELO on the line in the various ELO battles. If you have a suggestion we need to have on the next Peace Dependency podcast, let us know through our socials, the Discord channel, or send us an email to peacedependencypodcast at gmail.com. Now, let's go back to the conversation with Vince, where we will be talking about the history of CTWC. I want to go down memory lane with, with CTWC and I want I want to start with the very first CTWC that was in 2010. Is it right that it was supposed to be a one-off event? Yeah, so that was with the film. Ecstasy of Order. Yeah, before that I was, you know, talking with Robin. Me and Robin were maybe going to make a movie about uh, recapping or doing like a 20th anniversary of the NWC, which would end in like a Nintendo World Championships. Uh, you know, re-meet of all the players hanging out and having another go at it and, you know, Robin winning so that he could, you know, take first place away from Thor or whatever. Uh, that was kind of the idea, which never, it never really happened. We didn't really start doing it, but we talked about it. And then Robin had met Adam and then Adam or Robin introduced me to Adam and I was in Los Angeles where the tournament took place. Yeah. And uh, me and Adam had a call and it was, it was my role to then be, you know, producer of the film, you know, director of the first CTWC, 
and it was to keep kind of keep the things separate, right? So the film, I was producer of the film. You know, I hired my friend Dan Billups. He's did the, the the director of photography, cinematography for that, and my friend Daniel Rodriguez did the sound for that. Uh, so my role was to just make the tournament awesome, make it incredible, right? Um, and the original idea was it was just going to be Harry versus Jonas. It was just going to be a match, right? And then the film kind of evolved where. It was to include, you know, other players like Ben Mullen, Jesse Kilker, you know, and it was just going to be a match between between uh, the people in the film. Right. Uh, yeah. But I was, you know, at this time, I was also I was in talks with the Tetris companies when I started my relationship with them. And, you know, they became a sponsor of the tournament that first year. And <clears throat> so I was putting on the tournament, you know, going around collecting TVs for for weeks, NES systems and then. Yeah, with the people that I knew in the collecting community, I was able to get a bunch of Nintendos and Tetris cartridges. And, you know, I was, you know, I knew the people that work at Hyperkin. So, I, you know, they sponsored the first year with a bunch of uh, AC adapters and things like yeah. that. And and then with, with, within talks with the Tetris company, I was like, well, we have to invite the world, right? We have to, you know, allow anyone that's really good at Tetris to come and play and so that that became the dawn of like why there's a qualifier that exists. So, uh, and then you know Adam was like, oh, we can't do that because then what if all the players from the movie film the movie would suck and nothing would happen? So I was like, all right, well, give me some some quali- some some reasons why certain people can you know make it to the to the finals. And you know he came up with you know world record holders and champions. So that was the the five people that made it, allowing for you know three extra spots for the qualifying. Um, yeah, which you know, in that day we it was a one day event, so it was qualifying was a couple hours long. You couldn't have people play whole games, which I wish would have happened. You know, it wasn't, but it was fair enough where you just play B type, and that's the sole reason why the B type was a qualifier. Yeah, just time, just based on it being time, a time constraint to, uh, you know, we I had no idea how many people would come. So there was who uh, if there was a long line like there was in 2019, it would have been, you know, people complaining and things like that. Without the qualifying that year, you know, players like like Quaid came that year. Quaid was there, uh, you know, and that's why we have the Buko chant now because they just picked. Yeah, them, you know, I'm sure you heard about it, and I, I haven't listened to the last episode yet, but uh, yeah, yeah, they go talked about it. Yeah, why was there no intention of potentially doing it every year? The first time you tried to organize it, I didn't even think to, uh, you know, be like, all right, we're gonna do, I'm gonna do this every year for the rest of my life, you know. Uh, which t- being 12 years now, it's crazy that it's uh, been happening every year. But uh, Ben Mullen hit me up and he was like, is this happening again? And the Tetris company hit me up and they're like, is this happening again? Are we doing it again? And I was like, we can do it. I can do it, you know? And so I talked with the, the Tetris company and yeah, this in 2011, yeah, it was a solely me that, that put the, the show on. And I had my friend, Elizabeth uh, Logan, she, she came on and I knew her through, um, I used to work with uh, like events, so I used to put like yeah. Uh, we I worked at several uh, places that put on events for like nonprofit companies, so I knew all that went into like putting your own event on, and a lot of the teams were like small teams because they don't have a lot of money, so yeah. you wear a lot of hats in those. So I'm like the graphic designer, but I'm also like the uh, you know stage manager at this concert, or you know like you know, whatever. What's the second time? Was that easier to organize than the first time? Uh, absolutely not. That was probably the hardest uh, year 
I was on the phone with the, the Tetris company every year. There was sky scouted around to make it, you know, well, the goal was to make it bigger and better than the year before. Like that's the goal every year. But uh, so I went to yeah. like UCLA campus. I went to, you know, the USC campus, which I ended up having it. There was a theater, the music box theater, which is now like the Ford theater and in, in Hollywood, which I liked that one. Cause it was like a walkable street, you know, Hollywood Boulevard where the stars are and all that. Yeah. Stuff, so, that would have been cool, but you know, the Tetris company liked the this this uh, USC. I liked USC too. Uh, the Bovard Auditorium, it's, it's beautiful. It's probably the, the, the prettiest, definitely the prettiest uh, looking tournament uh, there's been. And there was actually uh, so there's not just the NES tournament. There was the you know, Tetris uh, PS3 version. I think it was the Tetris Ultimate, maybe. Yeah. And then there was the the board game Tetris Link had a, a championship as well that year. It was just a lot of work to put that on make your own event i think it was nine thousand dollars to rent that place for the day is that also the reason why a year later in 2012 the tournament moved from la to portland well that in 2011 i ended up losing like personal money of mine to put the tournament on i thought it was going to be a, a bigger event than it was uh and it was on a college campus i thought that was cool um you know there's turned out that usc is a a closed campus or, or open i don't know what whatever you say but there's not student activity on the weekend they all live off the campus right oh yeah so there was no yeah. one walking around on, at their campus on sunday so i thought there was going to be some more foot traffic than there was but it was i thought it was a big success um but it was it was the first year where you know i was able to to do matches rather than some crazy formula like in 2010 where it was, you know, the eight people playing at one time and lines were like a thing, you know. So. Yeah, I, I read it somewhere and it was very confusing, very confusing. Yeah, that was to, all to, to understand the rules of the first CTWC. I still don't understand them, but they're uh, <laughs> yeah. it was uh, <laughs> it was just a way to make it for, you know, it was it was just being made to make a movie. That's that was the goal that year so. comes to my mind now. Mm -hmm. If you make a event especially for a movie mm -hmm. do you want certain outcomes of that event or just let it roll and see what happens i mean i guess you could ask for say drama of some kind so uh there was drama with the qualifying with you know spoiler alert but you know dana wilcox uh sneaking in there that was exciting and then yeah just to uh to see what happens i think i i didn't have a preference on who won but it was i guess you would want to see somebody from the movie one otherwise you would you know have to like go retrace your steps and go get footage of that person's life in their hometown which you know the film already had you know ben mullen's hometown you know jesse kelker's house I mean, you know stuff like that so i think you are rooting as a documentarian to have someone in your film one say if say if buko won it would have been a disaster yeah <laughs> just yeah no, it would have been fine but if someone not from the movie would have won were you and adam were you willing to go back to those steps and include them in the movie oh that definitely probably would have happened for sure and then you'd have to like play pretend so there's a little you know ethical question of if that's good or not but that happens in documentary films all the time. So not in this one. How did the talk start that you 
and CTWC went to the Portland Retro Gaming Expos. It was a thing where I was kind of overdoing it because I lost money. I was like, I don't want to lose money again. Uh, that's not very fun to do, you know. Uh, but, you know, that's the with events, you know, it's typical that you like lose money the first two years and then break even the third or something like that is like what happens when you create something new. So moving, yeah. moving to Portland, that was, you know, Adam and Robin were, uh, you know, they live in Portland. So does Chuck Van Pelt, who's uh, the, one of the main organizers of the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. And Chuck, I think that Chuck and Adam were playing poker. Or Chuck, Adam and Robin were playing poker. And Chuck was like, well, why don't you do it? Why don't you have it at the uh, Portland Retro Gaming Expo? And, you know, which is great because it's a multi-day thing. At that time, it was two days. So we could actually change from the b-type qualifier which still existed in 11 to you could play whole games and this was very exciting to me and then you could expand the bracket to say 32 people at that time which was great and it just made sense and then you have built-in fans rather than like what what happened in 2011 where you're expecting people to go out of their way to go watch people play tetris um yeah which in 2011 i also thought that it would be a big success because the film had just come out and maybe there'd be, you know, more people would be like, I want to do that, you know. So. And then which, was it was was 2011 a disappointing year in that terms that it that it did work out the way it worked out? Uh, no, I mean, it was successful in the fact that it kept the tournament alive. Uh, and it was it was a fun tournament. But yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, it was just and people came and, you know, everyone, the whole cast came again. And so it was good to see. The community stick together um so if you know the community wasn't sticking together it wouldn't be wouldn't be worth it to continue you know rolling out tetris events that no one's going to you know so it's yeah it's good to see that's one of the main reasons why it's stuck uh oh, together yeah. is because people continue to come every year and are excited about it do you consider 2012 to be the start of the modern era of of ctwc oh for sure i mean it makes sense to have it in an expo there's the fans and the other, you know other retro gaming fans that might try their hand at it that you know wouldn't go out of their way to go to a standalone tetris event which maybe now we could do a standalone tetris event and maybe that's the preferred way to do it from now on but i still like it at the expo it's it's uh, you know you there's fans that come every year to ctwc uh in real life like uh, there's this uh father and son that come every year just to watch you know then they've been coming so it's good to see them year after year and it's like oh there's these diehard fans yeah but does the expo want to let you go no the expo you know loves us we're the you know we have a good relationship with the expo so as long as the expo is going we'll hopefully be there and have enough space and time and not you know the expo's grown with us as well so now it moved from like a two-day to a three-day expo so we could take advantage of the friday time uh for qualifying but it or something you know usually it's reserved for just like the fun side events or like whoever's shown up you know it's kind of hard to expect people to show up on a friday and be qualifying you know people have jobs yeah 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 so that's kind of just been like the who's around, who wants to play in some weird version of Tetris or Dr. Mario or whatever, you know. We're concerned that by going to Portland, and Portland isn't in central U.S., it's 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 upper upper west near the Canadian border. Were you concerned that people might not going because it's too far away or it's too expensive to fly from set New York or Florida all the way to, to Oregon? 
Sure, centrally located would would have been cool, uh, but I think you know Portland's like a perfect fit because it's a uh, you know a quirky town. This tournament is you know kind of quirky, um, and it's just a fun town to explore. So it's good that it's like in a major city um, that has things to do for other people. So I, I I like it in Portland. I mean, say it was in you know St. Louis or Chicago or something like that, it would be more centrally located, I suppose. If you go to St. Louis or Chicago, do you think there would be a different vibe during the tournament? I think it would be this, this similar of similar vibe, but Portland is really the home of it for now. And you know, maybe in a couple of years or this, you know, or next year, we'll we'll have some kind of bigger event uh, where it's just the standalone again. Like maybe you know Madison Square Garden or something. Why not? You know, just oh man, the Hammerstein Ballroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, I the Mexican Square Garden is great, but I'm I'm like a lot of people. I think in 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 the Tetris community, I love wrestling. I love pro wrestling, mm -hmm. and if if you feel the vibe in the Hammerstein Ballroom, look at ECW. Look at uh, uh, what was it? The ECW reunion. It's so compact and getting six thousand people close to each other that sounds awesome i love the uh what people are doing to kind of make it more like wrestling matches you know in tetris where for a while they're like quaid and d'lo were like exchanging video taunts and kingsmen you know like it's just that that's fun and kind of creating characters i mean that's what quaid's been doing the whole time right is he's created this persona of quaid or hauser or whatever zizix yeah you know zizix not not take it too seriously, but you know, hype up the crowd and make it more of a sporting event rather than you know some quiet yeah. some quiet room where no one's saying anything or wants to disturb somebody playing. I mean, that's that's not what it is to me. It should be people yelling and screaming <laughs> and getting getting excited about what's going on. Yeah, how did that uh, 2015 mini doc about Quetzal came about? It was an idea. It was just, you know, that's something that we wanted to do for every player, right? So it was just a way to hype the tournament and, you know, see a player. And we had talked about who we were going to pick to do it. And Sean being a good player and kind of uh, at that time, I was friends with Sean and Ryan, Richie, and, uh, you know, we talked to them, you know, like, but they've kind of felt like they were outside the community at that time. So it was kind of a way of like showing, showing them that they're part of the community as well as, you know, everyone else. Yeah. Um, and Sean's a good player. And luckily, you know, for the filming, he got into second place that year, which was cool to see and him to talk about. Um, but just kind of, you know, recognizing that he's a good player and, you know, it's going to be an exciting film and little, little uh, short day in the life of Sean going to the, the Tetris tournament. You know? <laughs> but we haven't seen anything like that since. We haven't saw a player a mini documentary in 2016 or something like that. Is it is it something that, that you think will return or was that a one-off? Uh, it was something that was going to be a more, you know, a yearly thing. Uh, a lot of time the budget has come up or, you know, we paid uh, Barton to do that, uh, which was a Portland guy and it was kind of out of the budget of the film or a uh, budget of the tournament. So having the budget to do that is, is part of it to do the extra stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, which we're getting to the point where we, yeah, we're, we're starting to have extra budget money and we're, you know, pushing it in different 
ways to you know build the the community which i don't know if making a little short film is the way to build the community i think you know making more tournaments or having better events would probably be a smarter you know business decision you know at this point yeah i mean last year you saw with the top eight we did you know little snippets on all top eight players right so it kind of yeah. still exists yeah. in a way um but that was a quick way to you know get the players to uh show themselves and little personality which i think is what makes it for uh fans to come you know that's a big key thing is creating these personas and you know people rooting for players rather than just sitting them watching play tetris they're hearing you know who they are what they do you know stuff like that so yeah definitely like you see that in wrestling that's why wrestling's cool right if you just watch the guy fight and didn't hear him talk or trash talk you know it wouldn't wouldn't be as, wouldn't be as fun. So getting to know the players and there's so many new players now. So it's just who's going to rise to the top, you know, who's the, the what personalities are people going to like or gravitate towards? So. I mean, you never know who's going to rise to the top. True. I think a year ago uh, we we never heard of of Alex Tack and now he's in the top 10 Elo just like his just like his brother. One one challenges one week, one the masses event the, the week after. True, yeah. I mean, there's uh, tons of uh, consistent players coming out and just winning, you know, here and there. Uh, but the, the the players at the top now are you know pretty equally matched, so it's going to be exciting to see you know who gets the right RNG or who who you know puts a piece in the right spot to match what RNG is going to give them later, you know. Yeah. What did you need to bring yourself when you go to the Portland Retro Gaming Expo and what's already there production-wise, hardware-wise, software-wise? Most of the stuff's there now. Um, All the Nintendos, you know, all the TVs. Is it all all owned by CTWC? The TVs are... uh, They're stored by PRGE, uh, the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. We've given them a bunch of TVs, but uh, they've you know, provided us with a lot of TVs. So they just have a bunch that they give us or let us lend, lend us for the weekend. Uh, all yeah. the Nintendos, you know, are owned uh, by us. I, you know, so throughout the years, I've gotten really good deals on all the Nintendos uh, just through the that collecting community I was talking about before. So all, yeah. all the Tetris carts are up there. Uh, yeah, all the plugs, everything like that. Uh, we do need to rent, you know, like the, the film, like lights and things like that. Um, and, and audio equipment, things like that, that are at the expo, you know, part of the expo stuff. Uh, that's all yeah. rented or, you know, uh, it, and then, you know, Trey has his own computer that he brings, obviously. Who will look after those those NESs and those cartridges to make sure that, that they are suitable for, for a world championship? Well, they're all in storage. So, you know, barring there's not like some fire at the storage facility, you know, they're, they're, they're not touched throughout the year. Uh, but like last year or in 2019, when it was going on, we were, you know, the crowd was large and, you know, and the line was long. So I was going around or, or sending other people around with my credit card to go continue to buy all the NES systems that they could find, all the Tetris cartridges that they could find. You know, they usually just oh, wow. continue to stock up and just we were creating new, you know, another added, just add another station here, add another station there while qualifying was happening, you know, grab another TV, put it, plug it all in, gooch all that stuff around, you know? So it was just, it was kind of a, you know, hectic day. And then there was some 
so some of the NESs didn't didn't work, you know, the, the pins, connectors or whatever crapped out or yeah, or, you know, they're blinking too much or so I was I went to a couple of the, the vendor booths there, guys that I knew and I was like, hey, can you fix these? Can you like swap it out? So people were repairing them at, you know, at the tournament while it was happening. So. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's that is that stressful when a NES goes down or when a CRT goes down? Oh, totally. I mean, you gotta like stop that whole area. You know, two or three people are you know around that area. You gotta wait for a couple people to end their games so that you can unplug the systems because you don't want to accidentally unplug the wrong one. But uh, you know, you, yeah, you got Steve guys like Steve DeLuca who are just heroes. They're like you know, like Steve has a ton of like practice setting up for bands and things like that. So he just knows how to like you know go in there and do it real quick and not make it look messy. You know, so. Oh, wait, one 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 last thing about 13 13 was the first year that yanni came and it was the first year that then made it a world championship <laughs> you know just calling it world championship and then it it finally became true you know a bunch of americans versus a finnish guy he's been a uh, familiar face at ctwc ever since 2013 absolutely i mean yanni's great it's a great character the way he plays tetris oh he's he's just so active and yelling you know I was there for that, which is probably my favorite uh, uh, Tetris-related video, is that Super Scion Yanni video. Where he, yes! At, the, at, at CTEC, where he's just screaming and yelling, and then he like, throws the controller. And, oh, I love it. And then we move on to 2014. It's a year that two documentaries were shot. One was a long one, the one from Chris Higgins, The Best of Five. Mm-hmm. And the other one was a BuzzFeed video. They were following Ely Markstrom, mm-hmm. which also went to top four so i think if you get follow, followed for for a documentary you get automatic top four uh, at ctwc yeah i guess so i mean i don't know I, I guess people should be start asking to be followed by uh camera crews uh, exactly chris higgins films a lot during during ctwc 2014 for his up-and-coming documentary mm-hmm. how much help did he get from from the ctwc crew i mean i gave him uh you know, free access to whatever. Uh, Chris Higgins is a friend, you know, one of the head judges uh, of the Subsidy TWC over the years. He uh, he he hired my friend Dan Billups again, who or, who did the, uh, or no, Dan was there. He hired my friend Lewis Holland, who shot the film. So it was like all, the idea was to have it like be a whole, a whole new uh, creative crew rather yeah. than like have, you know, me or Adam or Dan deeply involved again. So we'd like just make a repeat of the first movie. So just kind of get a whole new flavor. So uh, it's just me and Adam are on there as like producers of that event of the, of the uh, film. And we were going to be more involved. Adam did some editing, I think, and I was going to do some graphics, but uh, Chris has just got it all on his own now. So I'm not really, not really involved other than like giving him footage that, I had footage from the 2011 event that I sent him that is going to be incorporated that hasn't been seen before. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Did because since CTWC 2015, which which we will get to, uh, all matches have pretty much been recorded or uploaded to YouTube, but there is rarely seen any footage from 2010 to 2014. Is there still footage of those events, or is it gone? I mean, 2010, there's tons of footage just because of the the documentary being filmed. 2011, I had two cameramen that were working. Uh, 
my friend Dan was on stage with the camera. And then I had a, another friend of mine, Josh, who was going around and interviewing, you know, like Hank Rogers was there and a lot of the Tetris uh, companies uh, employees were there. And it was just, like, he was going around interviewing people that, that footage may be lost that, that guy's footage. I was on a hard drive that got corrupted. So Ooh. it might be able to be saved, but it's still, still kind of, you know, who knows? But yeah, it was. Yeah. The cool thing is since 2010, you know, I had it streamed in 2010 and 2011 was streamed. Every year has been streamed live. And, you know, this is like yeah. before the days of Twitch or, you know, it's like the early days of Justin TV or something like that. I think like I think 2010 and 11 it was just streamed to like a random website or something. So, But it was streamed live and it was always like kind of part of the tournament. It was never really like a, a priority to have it crystal clear there there wasn't things like obs to help you out it was all like figure it out on your own homie you know yeah Uh, so it was uh it was chris reeves came in 2012 there was this guy uh susie who's like an old member of hard drop that was like you need chris reeves uh to help you out and he would just come show up like a day before the tournament with his computer and try and throw something together which was you know unfair to him he was always sweating and you know he needed this cable or that cable so there was all these different runs to say the load you know the, the electronic store to get stuff and then it wouldn't work and there was just this panic between all this stuff so yeah 2012 uh, oh another fun story about 2012 is that terry purcell it was the first year that terry came around yeah and uh he tried to qualify because he he thought he was world's best tetris player and everything but uh he 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 was qualifying on 19. So this is kind of like try to think of like there was no real rules or ideals ideas online of how to play Tetris like there are now. Like you'd be a fool to qualify on 19, right? He didn't, yeah. he didn't know that. He was like, I'm just gonna play the highest level, right? And so he can't he he actually did qualify like 31st or something that year. And he didn't even show up to the tournament because he was like, I'm not good enough, you know. But then he learned he learned later. I think that's why he didn't show up, but uh, uh, he learned later that that he did it wrong. And so it's OK for me to make fun of Terry. He deserves it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and not everyone will know. <laughs> I've exposed him. You've exposed him. Yes. But were we ever going to see the the matches from 2012 or 2013 on YouTube? They're currently on YouTube. I mean, other fans have uh, had them, like uh, the Vulich, David Vulich, I think, put up the 2012 stuff. Um, you can see it all. It's all around on YouTube. And there was, a, in 2012, there was a different chaos or something. Chaos Group was the name of it. That uh, Yeah. They have it on, I think, their YouTube channel, you know. Girl Gamer has some footage on on their their channel from uh, ten and eleven. Who they they were the ones who uh, provided the live stream that year, uh, twenty thirteen. I think that's the one that David Vulich has up. Twenty fourteen. You know, Chris Higgins obviously has a master copy, and that's all being redone. And you know, the the Trey software, I believe, or, or at least the, the good matches are for the film. So. Yeah, you can find it. They they all exist online. Um, it just maybe not the whole game exists, or there might be a couple of final scores missing. But I think a couple of years back, I went through and made a, a spreadsheet with the help of some others. Like Ben Mullen has it has had a spreadsheet for years. You know, following the 
the qualifying and the scores, you know, you just see this super spike in them. So the data is out oh, wow. there. I think I think it's all been accounted for. But videos of the full matches, maybe not so much. I mean, 2014 for the tournament itself, was it a good thing that someone other than Jonas won the tournament? I think though that was the year Jonas was like not going to come because he just married uh, Heather or they were about to be married. So he was thinking of not coming. I kind of, you know, asked him to go. And then, you know, Heather was, uh, Heather inspired him to go. I was like, no, let's do it, you know, whatever. But I think he just didn't have yeah. a lot of practice that year. Uh, and he didn't. It was good to see Harry win. I'm glad Harry won because I know he was he was sad after every year of of, of losing uh, to to Jonas. And you know, I, I know he was beating himself up after uh, 2013 when he, you know, got reverse swept. You know, uh, so yeah, he, he yeah. We were like at the after party that year, and Jonas was like on his way, and Harry was like, "I gotta go. I can't be here." You know, but I think it was good to have another champion. Yeah, Harry deserved it for sure. That was the first year I think Jeff Moore showed up. So, is it a good thing or a bad thing that someone dominated the scene a one seven out of the first eight championships? I think it's great. I mean, you couldn't ask for, you know, a better champion than Jonas. I, it's the legacy of you know a sport. You know, like Tom Brady just won his sixth Super Bowl. You know, Michael Jordan yeah. has six rings. You know, Jonas has seven championships, so he's he's the goat of all sports. You know, yeah. So he inspired you know a whole all the with his videos and being a streamer. You know, him and Harry and you know Corian, all of them were uh, you know all three of those guys were streaming. That's what inspired Joseph. And you know, Jonas put up those tutorial videos that you know give everyone the keys to the car right out the gate. You know, so you have this hero, this legend that you know is giving you the advice. You know, it's like. If you watched, if like Michael Jordan, you know, showed you exactly all his moves, like he just like secretly gave some of them to like Kobe Bryant, right? Uh, he's like, yeah, this is this is how you do the fadeaway. Um, but Jonas is like, here's all my tricks. <laughs> Come at me. <laughs> Did he want that competition? I think for a while he he wasn't challenged. You know, uh, I mean, there was a couple people like Harry and. And and Sean and stuff that you know came strong at him, but he never really had to like push. And I think he there, he he says this that he, he you know he never had to be pushed to play a different style when you know like Joseph came and you know, took him out in 2018. He had to play more aggressive than he was. He would, he would kind of just play smart and let let the game come to him. And you know if he has a lead, play calm and burn. You know you know like like yeah strategically playing the game. I think. Yeah, having he got pushed by you know Joseph to like, you know, get a nine hundred thousand score. He was also playing more, you know, so just like as the people get better and better, it's just the scores are getting higher and higher. Like I've seen my score, you know, progress throughout the years. Yeah, you know? is it is it the goal for for you to get a max up before before CTWC twenty twenty one? I would love that, or at CTWC twenty twenty one, like in during the, the qualifier, in the qualifier, yeah. And, you have two hours time. <laughs> Make the main bracket, maybe, you know, and then uh, get spanked by a higher seed. Yeah, that's the goal. It's double elimination. You always have a second chance. True. True. <laughs> uh, we're now in 20, 2014. We're five editions in. How much did the team grow from 2010 to 2014? I mean, every year there was a couple more players that would show up. So a couple of players here and there. 
would would come. You know, like Jeff Moore came that year. I think there was you know Cameron Urie came that year. I haven't seen I haven't seen him in around in a while. I think that was the first year or no, no, Eli had been coming for a while. Eli came in eleven. He was in that tournament. Um but just seeing that the players year after year that everyone would continue to come. Uh but we'd gain a, a couple players each year. And then it just got progressively more and more over time until, you know, and, like this last year, you know, uh, or in 18, you know, Joseph wins. And then in 19, you know, like bad boy, Dan QZ are there, you know. Did you saw that, that when Joseph won in 2018, you saw a high growth for 2019? Oh yeah. The growth was nuts. Uh, you know, the young, it inspired the young, all these young players that are out there and, and anyone could come and beat, you know, someone just dethroned the seven time champ, you know, all right, now yeah. I can pick up this game and I can play for a year and be better than that person possibly, you know, um, I have, but I have to do this new trick called hyper tapping, which I'm young, yeah. I'm young in my, I've never played the game. So I could like learn it at that level rather than like, if I was to hyper tap, it would take me, you know, some time to get my grip right or whatever. Like the day I switched from being like a triple flipper, you know, when I was like, oh, I could do it both ways, you know, that took me a couple months to half a year to like get my brain to recognize the pieces and which button to press, you know, which now is like instinctual, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's not full muscle memory, but it was like growing up having a whole life of being like, oh, just do the one. I never thought, you know, that there was it would do the other way, you know. I guess I should have read the instruction manual. <laughs> then uh, Howard can give you some tips. That's right. Let's go to 2015. It's the first year in the HD era of of CTWC. Uh, Trey Harrison, I think, joined the team that year. Uh, wrote the sharpener program called Trey Vision. What was the first time that you saw Trey Vision? Well, yeah, 2015. That's the year Trey joins the team because he in 14. You know, we had some technical difficulties with getting the. Uh, projection to work and you know and i i believe it just drove trey mad where he was seeing what was going on it was was basically like for whatever reason we didn't have the right cord to go from the computer to the projector and every cord we tried didn't work so i don't know if it was a projector problem or what but it was one of those things where it was like we had one day to figure it out right or two days yeah. uh, or like starting on the wednesday or thursday whenever we whenever i got to portland is when it would start being worked on. so ended up being like we were shooting there was a camera shooting, it was just like Jerry, a camera was like shooting the, the, the computer and the computer and it was going from the computer, uh, from the camera to the, to the projector. So it was just like the camera was shooting the computer and that was being broadcast. So it was just, didn't really work the way it was. And then Trey was like, Oh, how can I help? And so luckily Trey lives uh, close to me or where, where I used to live and you know, we would hang out. I mean, since 2010, that's when I met Trey. Uh, we would go, yeah. we'd go to like lunch once a month, once every two months. And then, you know, our friendship uh, became stronger and stronger where we see each other more often, you know, like weekly coffee dates or whatever. So, mm -hmm. so I saw, you know, early off when he was working on, he was like, Hey Vince, check this out, you know, come in after like a, a lunch or something. And I was like, you know, amazed by what he was doing. And he continued to work on that to where it is now, where you could play online. So. That was amazing to see the transition from the the 
what would, could only be possibly at the CTWC or the qualifiers which he attended that we now can play it online. Right. That's great. Cool. That and then the, the UB's doing some great stuff. That's uh, incredible. Yeah, uh, we we use that for the the Dead or Like the Friend tournament. Yeah, that was the first time that I, for me, I used a uh, a device like that. Normally, I'm I'm good old traditional restreams. Right. But it was the first time I, I had to use either Nestor Strengths or or Max Out Club. Yeah, that was my first uh, Nestor's Champs uh, experience as well. Uh, I had tried it out, you know. Cause I've been talking to, to UB a little bit and uh, try to get it like on my stream, get some of that data going on. And uh, I'm not, I haven't quite figured it out, but yeah, I love what, what he's doing as well with all, all that extra data is just nuts. I think once you have it under control, it's very easy to control. Yeah. Yeah. I just have a problem bringing it into OBS without it uh, lagging, but I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. What was the, the reaction from the audience when one year you had normal like uh tetris output and then a year later you had hd tetris oh people were stoked for sure um it was uh it made you know it took it it was the one thing that you know say i or adam didn't have capability on and you know trey you know really fit that that filled that hole and, and made that part of the tournament uh like the production side way better um people noticed and complimented it and you know it makes the YouTube videos great, which um, probably why we don't have a lot of the footage earlier. I was always, you know, wanting to have face cams and stuff like that. And we had them in, you know, every year, but it wasn't wasn't as good and as professional as this. So it's, it took us to the next uh, level for sure. And the first year that Trey wrote a program, joined the team, he was playing himself. Did someone know how to how to operate that program? Or uh, was he the only one? No, he made it simple. Like he gave me like a rundown of how to do it or like, you know, the five buttons that I needed to be sure of how to use, you know, like how to add a heart or how to, you know, change the name. So I had the basic, uh, and I think Adam got the same, you know, it was a quick training. You know, he's, he set it up in a way that was pretty much uh dummy proof for somebody like me going in. Or Adam to like click around. I mean, there was a lot of things going on. Where I was like, I don't really want to touch anything. Just tell me, tell me, <laughs> tell me the five things that I should do, and then, then you can good luck at your match. You know, so. and I just pray nothing goes wrong when Trey is uh, playing a match. No, Trey sets it. You know, he he. You know, we put all the the practice in, and but yeah, he's, things could go wrong. But yeah, put the practice in, and you know, do the setups and the testing, and over test and over test. You know, and and you know, figure out all the problems and then there, there shouldn't be a problem. And if it is there, you know, he's on it and he'll fix it quickly. You know, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Raise my hand, Trey. <laughs> you know, no. In the middle of the match. I'm sorry, Trey, it doesn't work. Can you please pause and uh, you need to fix it. It would be fine. I mean, there's things always go wrong and then it's just how you deal with them that, uh, yeah, you, know, true. you don't panic. True. You know, so. you went to the same piece, uh, sets cartridges. I mean, that had been the dream since the beginning, uh, 2010, uh, to have exist, uh, which, you know, there's a lot of failed attempts to, you know, get that working, uh, yeah. over the years. And once again, I don't know, I think it's ASM 626502 is the code that you would write in. I kind of half learned it long ago because I was like helping people make sprites for, for games. 
Uh, yeah. But I, I have no idea how to do that correctly. Um, but yeah, there was some, you know, failed attempts and then, you know, like a group of, uh, programmers, you know, Trey and Alex Kerr and, uh, this guy, Brian, uh, some others, uh, you know, helped make that happen. Did you need approval from the Tetris company to use those during a Tetris sponsored event? Well, they're just a, uh, it's just like a game genie is essentially what it is. So it's not, we're still using the real, real games. Was that the same, like what the top eight made event got during last year? Correct. Yeah. Same thing. And 2016 is the year of the most famous viral video of classic Tetris, Boom Tetris <laughs> for Jeff. Absolutely. When yeah. that, that video got popular in 2018. So back in 2016, when that final was happening, did you have any clue that this was going to be a viral video? No, not at all. I mean, it was just, uh, it was a fun match because, you know, Jeff's a great competitor. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I've seen Jeff play. There was a side station hit match, Jeff versus Buko, that was off stream in 2015. Or no, 2000, might have been. Yeah, I think it was 15, yeah, where Jeff played Buko and they, they had like the highest scoring event match of all time. It was like 800 versus, you know, 800 to 800 or something. And uh, yeah. it was like at that time, it was like getting a six or 700 was like a guaranteed win. So uh, I was always rooting for Jeff because I think he lost to Buko that year. And he's just one of the sweetest guys you, you'll ever meet. So. He he definitely became a fan favorite after the viral video. But yeah, definitely never expected the uh, Boom Tetris for event meme, which you know might be to blame for for Joseph getting in the scene. You know, um, seeing that and then being inspired to play or something like that. I have no idea. Uh, so I th I think it's it's a a video a video first for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It, it was the video first for me. I was watching it and I was like, what am I watching? What am I watching? <laughs> and then you got down, went down the rabbit hole, right? Uh, not, not directly, but I was invested in it. Like, why are these two men, grown men are playing Tetris? Why is there a world championship in, in Tetris? I didn't understand. Right. Yeah. And and three years later, I'm in the middle of that in the middle of that same rabbit hole. Yeah, you're running a podcast and you're talking to everyone about it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, the first time I saw it, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it at all. Is that the aim that you not necessarily try, but would like to have a viral video every world championship for sure i mean uh that's the goal of any anything but i mean just having the championship is the goal and making it good and having a great final round or every round is is definitely something that you would want to see we we got lucky i mean we uploaded the videos for that boom tetris for jeff here 2016 in you know say november and i don't think it became popular until like april or something where all of a sudden we had a million views it went from like you know ten thousand to a million in in a week and i think what happened was uh somewhere in china or something there was like a game show that talked about the video or showed the video and then all of a sudden there was a million views that week 
And then that probably got the guy's attention that made the boom touches for Jeff video. So that could, oh. that could have been the start of it. I don't know. And now we're here. <laughs> it's weird how, how viral videos work. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the same like that you, that you have in, in 2020 CTWC, you have 170 competitors mm -hmm. and the two finalists are brothers. It's nuts. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, that's definitely nuts. It's, it's still the finals of CTWC have still contested under the same roof. I'm just glad they had two setups, you know, imagine if they only had one setup. So, oh man, that would be brutal. <laughs> so that could have, that could have been interesting, you know, be like, all right, just send us the results. I don't know. One, one at a time. I don't, I don't know. Before the top eight main event. Did you write down or did the team write down several scenarios? What could happen if the certain players faced off against each other and, and passes them on to the commentator so they can use that during the broadcast? Yeah, we have a, you know, a stats team that, you know, was helping out, you know, Pumpy Hart and Rory last year. Um, Game Scouts now part of the team this year. Uh, so they would send things over and, you know, they made spreadsheets of, you know, this and this and that to help commentators out for sure. I mean, Pumpy told me, told me, uh, it's kind of funny, a couple of weeks ago that uh, this, this last year, there's been X amount of matches, right? And that number of matches equals or is greater than the amount of matches that had happened since 2010. So like the amount of matches that ever existed have now doubled this year. Yeah, it's insane. And nuts like that. Pumpy said to me that we're probably end up with 12,000 recorded classic tetris matches uh this year alone i mean you could watch tetris uh you know any minute of the day now yeah uh, yeah I just put up put up twitch go to the to the tetris page and there's someone playing tetris or there's right. someone restreaming a match yeah i find myself you know watching here and there uh everything that's on there so i'll like work and i'll like put you know ctl will be on and i'll just be hanging out watching it you know i don't always comment I, you know, I do a lot of lurking but it's fun to just see all this stuff that's going on even uh you know anybody playing are there certain streamers that once they are live you need to watch it i mean i got the the, the people that come over and hang out on my channel i usually go hang out in their channel when i see them live uh you know like i'll, I'll hang out with burrito dad or you know aaron jaws Hamoki, or steve you know steve's there you know or uh this guy DBS that I, I like to talk to. Me and him played the new Mario Golf game on Switch over 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 Twitch, and it's just been a lot of fun just to connect with people. But yeah, I see, you know, I like I like watching the Kings channel. You know, I like checking in on CTM. Um, yeah, all those guys. So anyone playing, I usually jump in. You know, check out for a while, see what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, no, no favoritism here. I do. You know, when, when uh, Jonas uh, passed, it was, uh, you know, I didn't really know what to do. And, uh, you know, the weeks after that, I was, uh, you know, I put up that half mass thing on the, the main channel, but I was just kind of going around to see what was going on in the, you know, I just click on the Tetris category, right? And I would yeah. pop in and see what was going on in random people's channels. And it was, a, it was a lot of fun to just see what people were doing. And I would like say something on, you know, these, Remember these two kids were playing or these young guys were playing 
a match against each other that they like figured out. But they were like scoring like eight thousand to like eleven thousand points, and they were just you know having the best time. They were like you know giving honor to to Jonas, who they you know viewed didn't know anything about until the articles came out. And I would just, yeah. I would just say hi to them. Hey, what, what's going on, guys? And then they would explain to me the story of what happened. And so it was uh, fun to see that going on and people embracing, uh, you know, a true legend for sure. And then, like I saw, you know, one of the, one of them was uh, Raw Masons, who's now a max out player. He was I don't know if he took it on at that time, but that's when I started seeing him. He was like a 300, 400 thousand point player, and I said hi to him and. And then now he's way better than I am. So look at that. And he's my he's my favorite player. I'll, he's gonna win this year. Yeah, you, you're gonna bet on it. Him and the uh, cheese in the uh, yeah <laughs> in the finals. Ooh, ooh, okay, write it down, people. Write it down. <laughs> in in 2018, um, before that, Joseph Saley posted a max out video on YouTube and got invited by the classic tetris youtube channel i don't know if, if it was you who wrote it or someone else who wrote it to that he should come to portland and uh join the players in ccwc try to qualify had you any idea what he was about to do i i had no idea i i, I admire him for coming coming out to the tournament i mean it's got to be extremely intimidating being you know 16 years old walking into a room that's you know 35 year old plus and uh just throwing down uh, so i don't know if he had nerves or what he had or you know what you could expect somebody to have that's 16 but he you know he kicked ass and was well, incredible so i i like i enjoyed watching all the matches he was playing and uh he was calm throughout all of them uh, so it was impressive to see you know him against like Corian, who was like somebody he, you know, looked up to as far as hyper tapping and, yeah. and taking that style. And, you know, they went, you know, toe to toe together. And then, and then he has to play Jonas, who he probably learned, watched the videos and learned the moves from. So it's just kind of a very cool thing for, for Joseph to just, you know, meet his heroes and, you know, play against them and and win you know and just sweep jonas like later dude you know when did you realize that he had the potential to win it i mean probably when he was playing corian i i i re i root for corian all the time because he travels from japan and i he he's always getting close to the end i know he's dealing with you know jet lag and all that so i, I root for corian yeah. you know he's the first kind of hyper tapper in the tournament uh so it was it was a good battle to see him versus Joseph for sure, and yeah, it definitely was. You know, thought Corian was gonna, you know, take that one because Corian had the tournament experience and stuff like that. So it was really good to see Joseph uh, be able to meet, hit, you know, beat his master or his sensei or whatever guru or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> oh man! And then a year later, they they met in the finals. Right. Yeah. And then they had a blast with it. You know, that whole push down thing. That was so amazing. Oh man, I, I, I didn't watch it live on Twitch. I was subscribed to the YouTube channel and I saw that the videos were uploaded. The finals was about to premiere at 1 a.m. local time. 1 a.m. here in the Netherlands. And I had, I had to go to work. I had to go to work a day later. And my, my alarm was set at 6.30 or 7 a.m. I don't even know. 
But I said, I said to my wife, Effort, I'm going to watch that finals. I need to find out who who wins CTWC <laughs> 2019. And that match, I mean, the same stacking, pushing down, uh, 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 laughing, having fun. It, it was such a fun final. Yeah, it was great to see like the difference in, in Joseph from like maybe being nervous or just like not knowing what to do in, in 18 when he was, you know, you could see he was like laser focused. And then in, in uh, 19, he was like having fun up there, you know, and, and able to, yeah. like, you know, he upped his game over the course of that year, I'm sure. So that, you know, just the one pushdown point in Corian and then them just having a great relationship with, you know, your your opponent is just uh, with, without, you know, being able to speak necessarily the same language. I mean, Corian is able to speak English, but, you know, there's definitely a barrier. But, you know, we all speak the same Tetris language, you know, so. It's just, think, uh, yeah. a respect for one another. And uh, yeah, that one was so fun to be part of live in person. And, you know, because it was in that room by itself. It was like the the crowd was like interacting with them while they were playing, which is hasn't really happened before where you would see. Like. You know, like James Chen and Chris Tang would say something and then Joseph would respond to it, you know. Uh, yeah, like the, How- the little thinking thing that he did. How many people? Uh, fitted in a room uh, I don't know it was probably like it was jam packed I mean I had to leave leave once or twice to go get something and I could barely get in again I had to be like, <laughs> I had to like push people and stuff uh, to get to get back to where I was you know so it was people more people wanted to come in but were like I can't go in there you know uh, no room no room for me and but yeah it was jam packed I, I would say you know you know 500 i don't know i don't know how to estimate that but it was it was packed we need a turnstile next year you know one of those things they have at at the you know concerts or whatever you know you go in and you have to spin the little thing you know and it counts for you yeah so you can you can brag about it online so many people have watched tetris yeah (laughs) (laughs) or or do it like wwe just made up a number there's 10 million people Exactly, ten million people watch that. Uh, watch that. Watch that. Twitch. Yeah, just include all the online views into like pretend they were there. Yeah. And then that came last year, CTWC twenty twenty. Yeah, before we knew it, we were in the pandemic. Looking back now, are you happy with how everything went last year? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was stressful to obviously change the whole format and figure out a new way to get things done, and you know things. Some things didn't work properly, like, you know, registration had some some hiccups where some certain people, you know, was, you know, you know, debiting their money and not accepting it on our end or something like that. So it was just a lot of work to just make sure everyone got their money back and fix it and, you know, learn from the experience because you're doing all these things for the, the first time, sort of say, or like making a new style of you know. When the announcement was made last last year and you did the interviews with both Game Scouts and, and myself, mm-hmm. did you have a 100% clear picture of how everything was supposed to go? Or were you still trying to figure out those details? I don't remember the exact moment, but I'm sure there was things still being figured out. Like, you know, like, for example, last year, the qualifying week, right? Uh there was no plan to do anything for that. There was no plan to do like the Friday night uh, uh, showcase of whatever talent, you know, with 
Jaws, Uncle Mike, and you know myself. But yeah, so I was just sitting around watching during the qualifying day what was going on. I was like, you know what? I had all the, you know four people streams up, and I was like, you know, I'm just gonna put all this together in one stream and throw it on the CTWC channel, and then it kind of just became something where everyone was really enjoying being there and watching everyone play because everyone was bouncing around the other streams like I was to see what was yeah. going on. And then, so I did that and I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this every day for, you know, 24 hours. So, you know, like Keith. Chris Forward's good. Chris Forward's definitely good. The guy doesn't sleep. I don't know what, what his deal is. He's part <laughs> robot. I don't know. But uh, like he stepped up to do the late night shift and then, uh, you know, Van Dweller. Uh, Keith did a bunch of the other ones. I think it was just the three of us. And we, I think we covered most of uh, time, you know, like Keith was taking the, uh, the day, you know, to the early afternoon. And I was doing the afternoon tonight at some point. And it was just kind of like, you know, whatever goes that, you know, bring random people in to talk about it. Uh, it was nice to see the, you know, like Sharky jumped in, Joseph jumped in, you know, Keith would jump Kingsman, Bidwell would jump in, you know, everyone would just, come around and show up and talk to the the chat and talk about what was going on. It was just very exciting to see all the max outs, you know, and like people playing. Yeah. So definitely. Now it's definitely like a part of the, the plan of the show this year. So. So I have to showcase up immediately from the start. Yeah. I think I started it on like Tuesday last year. I think I missed Monday because I was, there was only, there was only a couple people on Monday, but yeah, definitely have it up, up the majority of the time. I was qualifying on a Tuesday. I was the first up on Tuesday. It was pretty early Pacific time. And a, a half a day later, there was a showcase on Classic Tetris. And I'm like, okay, okay, fine. <laughs> um, oh, you, oh, you didn't know? I just uh, pulled it in. Yeah. You're like, oh, people yeah. were watching me. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if that's like more intimidating or not. For a player but i didn't uh read my chats i had uh the viewers count i had that turn off mm -hmm. so i could fully focus on my on my uh, tetris play and uh yeah 290 295k was a great score for me that you killed it man so now this year you're gonna max out so well i'll go for 500k that's my goal <laughs> Les, you also were in post-production of your uh, uh, Palindromist documentary. Mm -hmm. Was it difficult to work on both projects at the same time? Uh, it was, yeah. I mean, both those projects kind of came to uh, came to like a head at the same moment. Uh, luckily, I was, you know, I did all the animations, which was like the hardest part of the post-production of that film, and I finished that you know, a month or two before the tournament, the CDWC started. So other than that, it was just kind of like signing a deal, getting the deal made. And then, you know, the, the, the little things at the end aren't as difficult to say editing or, you know, finishing off that. So it was done in time to, you know, be able to relax for CTWC and nice to finish two things at the same time, you know. What, what were the biggest challenges that, the team had to overcome during CTWC 2020. I mean, it's just we're lucky enough where there's this great community, right? And this whole online community with the different streamers that are already out there, you know, CTM, C CG, CTL, you know, the friendlies and, and all that. And just a community of people that want to help and are willing to help and have different 
uh, abilities on their own. And it made it really easy. I mean, the, the online community exists already, so it was proven to to be something that could be easily done, you know, with experts yeah. like Keith and, uh, you know, and uh, Beeson Shen with his, uh, you know, world puzzle experience and just it made it really easy. I mean, you know, Trey had to figure out how to do the Max Out Club online. There was a, a time where, you know, we weren't sure that was going to work. So we were going to have to just do a standard, you know, like CTM style thing with maybe, you know, bigger cameras. Um, yeah. That was a, a possibility, but, you know, uh, also figuring out how to do the scheduling and, uh, you know, how to sign up and like what time the judges and the staff are available to, you know, do the discord call with the players to, you know, check their equipment, you know, you know, make it fair and, and keep it, you know, keep it reasonable. And, you know, so like the team was formed and, you know, luckily there's people around the globe that want to help and, you know, happy to say, you know, that, you know, everyone that helped got, you know, paid a fair amount, I think, you know, so that's, uh, that's been a goal of mine for a long time in the last couple of years. So we've been able to pay everyone that helps. Um, so, I mean, there was a bigger budget obviously this year for, for getting people paid because people were working more than two days. Uh, you know, like yeah. Chris Forrest probably put a whole month of work into it, you know, uh, and you know, we're streaming, we're streaming, you know, you know, like six, seven days of streaming between the gold and the silver brackets. Just a lot more time from everyone, and a, you know, a bigger tournament. So it's uh, definitely yeah, mass undertaking, and really, really good, and really couldn't thank the the community enough for uh, stepping up and people being patient. A lot of play players were very patient with uh, you know when there was a trouble with their sign up or something, they would you know hit me up. I be, kind of became like this IT guy for the week or <laughs> support whatever. And it was just, it was like all right, I guess this is the job I have this week, you know which was, was fun. It was fun to just chat with everyone and be like, all right, I got you. Don't worry about it. You know, help you out. Yeah. Is it, is it stressful being the organizer for the major event of the year? Not, not, I mean, it was like the first three years of the tournament, I would be at the tournament and I'd be like sweating, you know, maybe, you know, like, like worried something was going to go wrong, you know, like checking on everything and, you know, now more kind of like there's, you know, enough people and team people on the team and stuff like that, that I'm not worried about, you know, that aspect that I used to be worried about. So I, I, I love doing this, and love being a part of it. And I'm just so, uh, I would have never imagined it would be as big as it is now, uh, you know, when it started in 2010, I always knew it was, I always thought, you know, this is great. This is cool. You know, and then when, couple of years into it, I was like, oh, we should be on ESPN. You know, this is definitely ESPN worthy. And then you get on ESPN. Yeah. And then you get on ESPN and that, that dream comes true. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, I want, let's get in the Olympics now. Like that's, that's, uh, you know, there's no reason why it wouldn't be in the Olympics, you know, like skateboarding is yeah. in the Olympics this year for the first time. Right. And, uh, you know, I kind of compare, you know, and I, you know, and Aaron Jaws Hamoki kind of compared it to the skate scene, you know, the early skate scene is the Tetris scene. And, I like that comparison yeah. a lot and it just, you know, I saw that they would, you know, the Olympic committee was willing to consider video games that were nonviolent. And I don't think, you know, historically there's not a game 
like Tetris where it's like the rules are the same, you know, to like a chess game or, you know, or just even running around a track. The rules are always have been the same, you know, just like the shoes change or the play styles change or, you know, like, yeah, you get like the Fosbury flop, you know, that happened in the high jump. Stuff like that was what, you know, Dr. Wayne Gray of Cogworks told me he compared that Joseph to that Fosbury flop moment, which I think is an incredible uh, comparison to changing a sport. You know, so I, I definitely think it'll be in the Olympics or at least considered one day. I mean, if you're taking out all the the violent games, I mean, which is the ones that most people play, like Call of Duty, you know, whatever, League of Legends, whatever. Those are, you know, I, I guess I would consider those violent, you know. Yeah, killing people, killing monsters. I don't know if that's as violent as killing fake humans. I have no idea. But. <laughs> mm-hmm. I it can be can yeah. I guess in Tetris, might, you're you're, be. you're uh you're destroying blocks. Is that you know? Is that you know? You you're making that, lines lines disappear. Yeah, you're a terrible person. You made a line disappear. It, you know exactly the, exactly. To really play the game, you have to get zero. You know, just make a nice stack and. Does it help that you have a friendly relationship with Ada Ocal and that he always helps since I think 2018 with the CTWC events and he's also part of the main bracket last year? Yeah, Arda is a, a great guy. Um, he definitely helped get into the ESPN chats. And, uh, you know, I met Arda in uh, 18. I met him in Pittsburgh. He had called me, me and him had like a phone conversation. And he's big in like the whole NHL 94 scene and, you know, a bunch of the other old retro scenes. And uh, he talked to me on the, we talked on the phone for you know a good hour and he was like, you know what, I'm going to come to Pittsburgh and I'll, you know, do commentary and it'll be kind of like a, a job interview type situation. So he came with his wife to Pittsburgh cause he's a New Yorker and uh, I, you know, loved what he was doing. I was like, we got to get you out to, uh, you know, the main tournament. And, you know, he's just, one of those guys that fit, fit really well and filled the role that we didn't have really. That was always something that, you know, I dreamed of having like the interviewer, you know, or, you know, to build up these characters. So Art does a great job and did, did his research. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen his uh, interview with Jonas where he just goes throughout the years and you could tell that Art just knit, he like takes in all the information, knows it all and is able to articulate and ask questions. And so the man of experience and no, no reason why he's like, no, nah, on ESPN now, so or on uh, Sports, uh, Sports Center, yeah. yeah. So I congratulate yeah. him for sure. Will he be back for CTWC 2021? Uh, he, yeah, definitely. I mean, he'll definitely be involved in some way. Um, yeah, and and the rest of the crew who who appeared last year will they be will they be back? It's basically going to be the same exact crew, maybe with some additions to the crew. Uh, like you know, Game Scout offered to be part of the stats team. Uh, I have my friend, uh, he goes by Tyrannosaurus Rad on Twitch. He lives in Japan. He offered to, you know, be a, a judge that would help those time zones out. So it's just kind yeah. of uh, just finding more parts that maybe were missed in the previous year to make this year go more smooth, which which last year with all, you know, all the help, you know, it went, it went pretty smooth. I mean, there was a couple of hiccups here and there, but it's nothing that I think people we're patient and understanding about so i think the biggest hiccup was the power outreach oh, yeah. in the semifinals <laughs> what went through your mind when you 
I think he texted you or something like that. I can imagine that he texted you that that he had lost power and maybe didn't know what to do. Yeah, he we didn't know what to do. Yeah, I don't know. I forget it was probably a Discord thing. You know, we had all the Discord set up, so he might have just said something in one of those. Uh, yeah, I mean, he figured uh, all the you know. I give credit to all the international players that you know play in weird time zones constantly. Uh, so like Nenu playing at you know 6 a.m. his time or you know starting at 3 a.m. or whatever it was for him. I have no idea, but you know, definitely feel feel bad for people that have to play in weird time zones. But how worried were you that Nenu might not find the solution and had to forfeit his semifinal match? I mean that would have been that would have been terrible to to way to end his his uh his you know his 2020 path you know i would have felt bad for it uh, you know there was nothing we could like we could have to reschedule it for another day or something i don't know um yeah I'm yeah sure. i mean it's in the rules we have rules for for reasons like like that like if we have to disqualify you it's uh you know that's the rules i don't know it's not you know, not natural disaster like power outage or you know something you can't really account for that so and then he went to his friend's house and then uh you hope that the internet was good there or <laughs> uh, i don't know it, it's yeah his it's, friend is friend is the real hero there yeah yeah it was awake at 7 a.m probably woke him up yeah for sure uh yeah yeah, it was it was uh, quite the story. The whole the whole thing made it made for a great story. And then the two brothers meeting in the same house, uh, just uh, you couldn't ask for like a better news story. It almost seems uh, scripted as it is, you know. Was it scripted? Uh, 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 wink, wink. <laughs> Frank, <no. laughs> Tetris is pro wrestling after all, so yeah. you never know. Yeah, so just like wrestling, we got uh, we got to we got to put on a show here. Frank, uh, yeah. uh, let's go to this year. CTWC is once again online this year. When did you know that CTWC was going to be online once again? I mean, pretty much from from the get go of last year. Um, there wasn't really a you know an end in sight to this pandemic, you know, and you know having a worldwide championship, you know, a truly worldwide championship now you know, having it or planning it in person, you know, that takes a lot of effort. And, you know, Portland, I don't know if they announced by then that they weren't going on this year, but, you know, I think from the get-go, we weren't going to do it in person. It just seemed too risky to plan and, and put that effort in. So so even if there was going to be a retro gaming expo, CTWC wasn't going to be there. I mean, we were invited to say, you know, the one in Phoenix that was probably going to happen, which ended up getting canceled uh, this year. Uh, yeah. But I, I think, you know, the same way as the Portland guys think it's just wasn't in the cards this year. It didn't seem fair to, or, or smart to even start planning and wasting time on making an event happen that was likely going to be canceled or had a high probability of being canceled. So, yeah. And then especially, you know, my thought on it was, you know, this is a worldwide tournament and, you know, we're in a pandemic and, you know, who knows what's happening in each other countries around the world. You know, like maybe 
you know, people from uh, the Netherlands are, are, can't travel or something like that, you know, uh, but people from, you know, France can, or, so it just wouldn't be fair to, to the world. Uh, so would that be the mindset of organizing a real life tournament in, in the future, uh, that everyone can come or is there a possibility that there will be a hybrid version like people from Canada, US, Mexico can travel to, to Portland, but the ones who can't for various reasons will play through Max Hat Club and be, be part of the tournament itself. I mean, there's definitely got to have, you know, some, some kind of conversation about that. But I mean, how fair would that be that somebody is, you know, sitting at home playing versus somebody that's dealing with a large crowd? So I think you have to all be in the same room. Maybe something that would happen would be you know, like a bunch of different online qualifiers would happen and say 32 people were selected to come and compete and there would be no qualifier, right? They would just be, that would be the thing or 64 or whatever, like you made the top 64 and now you have to go to this place or we have enough budget to send people, you know? Like, yeah. Like last year there was early talks of, uh, you know, getting to the top eight and then flying the top eight to a location that we could do it in person. Uh, rather it even be like a studio where there's only 20 people, you know, but then that it became obvious that that wasn't even a good idea. So, and then the cost of doing that would be crazy too. So it'd be like flying everyone out, you know, renting the studio, renting the equipment wasn't in the cards, but yeah, in the future, I mean, that might be where it has to go, where we have to invite only, or you have to, you have to go to the smaller tournaments to, to win, to win your way in, um, to the bigger tournament. Um, which would be kind of more like a major sporting tournament, you know, like whether it be NASCAR or Wimbledon or whatever, you know. Is is that the the next step? Possibly. I mean, I I, I can't tell you for sure, but I, I do really love the qualifying aspect of the tournament in person. Um, and I think that should stay. It just is a matter of probably getting it a lot more space and a ton more TVs and a ton more Nintendos, you know, and, and more staff. So it's just, everything has to grow at the same time, you know? which thankfully enough, there's a lot of people that just want to help, you know, how can I help yeah. Vince? Uh, like, you know, that, that a lot of people ask me like, what can I do? Like put, give me a task, you know, She's like, here's my credit, here's my credit card, go find some <laughs> uh, Tetris things and, you know, buy yourself one. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Is is this year easier to organize compared to last year? Oh, absolutely. I just sticking with the same format that worked. I think it's I what I really like is, you know, sticking to something similar because then we can compare, you know, the tournament last year to this year. See how the see the growth, you know, whether you change if you change like one little rule or something, it would be different, you know. I mean one yeah. thing might be we might add the bronze bracket, which is probably for sure gonna happen, you know trying to get, you know, more, uh, prize money is my goal. You know, um, is there already in confirmation of what the prize money will be or what the winner will receive? Oh, uh, it'll definitely be, you know, the same as last year, if not more. So I'm, I'm pushing for, you know, like 25,000 so that, you know, more people can get paid out, you know, and I like paying it out, you know, as deep as you can, you know, so that people are motivated to play and even, you know, like 
spread spread the joy amongst everyone you know yeah some some viewers last year thought that four brackets a weekend over two weekends long gave a lot of tetris and maybe more tetris that we could possibly handle <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah could handle yeah was there any consideration about decreasing the available spots for 2021 no no real talks on that i don't think that would to decrease the spots to make it less uh people just want to play in it and i mean if if you can't handle that much tetris you know you could go do something else you know it's like i'm not i guess it was maybe hard to follow because you know the double elimination bracket and you know this person's still going but i think the commentators did a, a good job of explaining that and you know People have seen it last year so that this year they'll know exactly, you know, what's happening. And, you know, you definitely expect the, you know, the scores to go up this year for sure. So uh, decreasing the amount of entrance would be like you have to max out four times to enter. I don't know. You know to, to make the main bracket. I'm, yeah. I mean, last year, the, the cutoff score for the gold bracket was 919,000 points. It could be close to close to a max out, if not a max out, to, to get into the gold bracket. Yeah, I definitely think it'll be at least you need a max out. Um, you know, I did have a, an idea of a new rule where maybe you would have to play. You'd start off qualifying 18, and then once you got your max out, you'd start playing 19 starts. But I, I, I want to keep it the same as you know, last year. So that you can kind of compare what happened, you know, Joseph beat his 12 max out record, which I think what you can get maybe 14 in an hour or two hours, maybe 15, maybe you have to push down. I don't know. Yeah. It's like go to uh 999 and then top out immediately and then start another well, game again. I believe that's what people were doing last year. I don't know. Many people played, you know, went from 1.3s or anything like that. No, because... It, it was score cap. Yeah. So, so were... you can go for a 1.3, but it's, yeah, it's, it's good for your ego, but you only lose time. Right. And you're, you're going to play less aggressive than a 1.3 strategy game. You know, you're not going to stack and not take all the burns, you know, you're where you're like forcing yourself to stack extra high and never burn, you know, with, yeah. with the max out, like not, nah, I mean, coming from someone that's never maxed out over here but yeah you can walk you were close yeah but yeah i burn when i have to you know that's we gotta do it yeah with das but yeah so but that, all these 1.3 players and 1.4 players um they know the, the exact number of burns they can take in order to get just the max out so there's a little more yeah lenient leniency in the play style Hey, my last question for you is what do you think will happen during CTWC season? I think a lot more players are going to come out of the woodwork, you know, and you're going to see a lot of new faces. I think we're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, upsets, a lot of double max outs. I think, you know, you're going to need one, maybe two max outs to qualify. Um, I'm excited to see all these the road to CTWC events and see who comes out of those to represent uh, you know those communities. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's going to be great and it's going to be you know something that you've never seen before and and you know maybe it'll land in the. I would like to see an international person win the the trophy for once. Uh, 
I think that would be cool. Uh, sorry, USA players, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't. I think it would be cool to see it be uh, taken out of uh, the United States. I mean, it finally got moved from California to Texas, you know. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it's moving. It's moving east slowly moving to east. the east. So you know, maybe. There are a lot of great players in New York, and that's way east than Texas. So we can we can take it in steps. This year it goes to New York, the state of New York. Yeah, I can see that. And then it can go across the pond, goes to to Western Europe, and then slowly goes to Asia. And so it makes a, a world tour. I like that. Yeah, it goes like it takes like the old Silk Road across Asia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. Well, New York. Yeah. I mean, those all those New York guys. This will be their third meetup uh, at uh, at Blank's Garage. So they're all getting like the in life tournament uh, practicing as well as you know competing with each other. Uh, yeah. And so uh, I guess strong players. I think just all the CTM matches are crazy nowadays. So which is it's oh man yeah that's that's nuts. I can't. I can't always watch the masses live, mm-hmm. but I watch the vaults back, and jeez, yeah, that's... it's it's something a skill that I like to possess, but that again, not really want to invest my time yeah. time into it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. it's There's it's a lot crazy. of touch, a lot of touchers to watch nowadays. So, yeah, I usually don't. Uh... You know, watch back the vods, but I guess yeah, you're in you're in Europe, so you that might be a way for you to watch some of the the bigger competitions. But I will check out the Game Scout videos. You know, he does David does a great job. I always watch the Game Scout videos, but I have a confession to make. I don't watch a lot of Tetris Live because I'm either restreaming or I want to because most of the Tetris matches are happening at at evening for me around eight nine p.m. Mm-hmm. And I also have a wife, and I also have a child, and I like to sit on the couch with my wife and not thinking about Tetris. <laughs> so I like to, so I like to watch Tetris on my own time, maybe a day later, but I watch it. That's fair, you know. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta spend time with your family. That's important to have a, a good, you know, moderation of of different things and activities. Yeah, my my wife hates this time of period where I have a podcast and two weeks later have another podcast. And then, uh, um, and then Sunday, the Mexico qualifier and at the end of the month of August, they have the Benelux qualifier. And then she is, okay, I'm glad it's over. Let's go back to a normal life. Yeah, you got you got to take the next bunch of months off. <laughs> What's good? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. My wife isn't into Tetris, so it's 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 yeah, it's 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 different. So you need to balance it, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, my girlfriend wasn't really into Tetris, so she now streams and plays with me. So we're having, we have a good time with it. Megan, Meg the Egg, <laughs> shout out. Shout, shout out to Meg the Egg. Vince, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. It was, a, it was a real pleasure. Yeah, Frank, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, anything you need ever, let me know. And with that all being said, this will be the end of the Peace Dependency Podcast. Thank you all for listening and make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And don't forget to join the Tetris Friendly Discord server and follow me on the socials at SirMazer. For now, have a great Tetris month and we'll see you all in September. Bye.
The Beast Dependency Podcast was brought to you by Total Radness. Shop your Goofy Food Controller, TWO merch, and CTWC approved hardware on totalradnes.com.